from the book of Acts, chapter 2. I will read the verses 1 through 4, and then we'll turn to uh, verse 14 and read through verse 36. Acts chapter 2 at verse 1. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And then turning to verse 14. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit. And they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in heaven above, in the heavens above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Men of Israel, Hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. This Jesus, delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up. Loosing the pangs of death, because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand, that I, shall, that I may not be shaken. Therefore, my heart was glad, and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope. For you will not abandon my soul to Hades, or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David, that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us, is with us in this day, or to this day. Being therefore a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would, not, that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw 
and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we all are witnesses. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for, for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus, whom you crucified. So far the reading of God's holy word. This morning you will find in the passage which was read from the book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 33. I will read that verse again at this time. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. Beloved congregation in the Lord Jesus Christ, today is Pentecost. The church of Jesus Christ rejoices as she celebrates the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Therein, she celebrates the crowning of Christ's work of redemption. And think of it, that means at the same time that the church celebrates that her ascended Lord empowers her to fulfill his mandate to her. Go, he had said, go into all the world and preach the gospel of the kingdom. And the church understood Ever since that Sunday, when the Spirit was sent forth, ever since that day, the church has linked Pentecost and mission. Oh yes, the church knew it for sure. Those two, Pentecost and mission, they belong together inseparably. See, we must remember it well. The anointing with the Holy Spirit meant for the church not only that the Lord called her to a tremendous task. It meant also that he granted her his abiding presence which would enable her to fulfill her task. It has been well said. The celebration of Pentecost is for us an annual reminder of the vital importance of missions for the life and ministry of the church. Oh yes, Pentecost. See, Pentecost stamps missions on everything the church is supposed to be doing. The Spirit, who was poured out on the church at Pentecost, is the Spirit of Christ's mission. He, the Holy Spirit, He gives life and vitality to the church. 
And his chief concern is to proclaim God's saving work accomplished through Jesus. You realize, that is right on. Pentecost, you see, celebrates the fact that God, the almighty creator, continues his work unto the salvation of the world through Jesus Christ, sent by the Father to accomplish our deliverance from the bondage of sin. Jesus Christ, to whom all authority in heaven and earth has now been given. Jesus Christ sent his spirit to finish his great salvation work. But, about for many people, it is a confusing, if not a disturbing thing, that on this day, this Holy Spirit day, the preaching of the word in many a church will again focus on Jesus Christ, on him crucified, risen, and ascended to glory. Or to be sure, they would not, not say that all of that is not important. But, they ask, but must that also get the attention today, Pentecost Sunday, and they wonder, does the Holy Spirit really receive his due that way? Well, that sounds serious, right? But the real question is, have the people who raise that kind of concern, have such people really understood Peter's Pentecost Day sermon? Remember, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, Peter explained to the people gathered in the temple that the 3,000 souls who were, who were added to the church that day could be added. Because Jesus, having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, He, Jesus, He poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. I'm going to speak on Pentecost, celebration of Christ's authority. What really is Pentecost all about? When you listen to much of the talk about the Holy Spirit nowadays and the work of the Holy Spirit the healing and the tongue speaking and the spontaneity and the warmth and the inner illumination. I ask, when you listen to all of that, then certainly you get some idea as to what Pentecostalism is all about. And then you can read long reports and lengthy articles in the church papers about all of that, both pro and con. But then I wonder, how much does all of that really help us to understand Pentecost? I'm afraid very little. 
See, to understand Pentecost and the signs of Pentecost, we'll have to forget about the testimony of people, interesting as such may be, and commit ourselves to listen only to the testimony of Scripture. You know, of course, that the book of Acts was written by Luke. Well, now, Luke begins his second volume, the book of Acts, in a very significant, uh, yes, in a remarkable way. Listen carefully to his opening statement. It reads as follows. In the first book, O Theophilus, in other words, in my gospel account, in the first book I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. You should understand that in the Greek text, the emphasis clearly falls on the word began. You see, what Luke is getting at is this. Theophilus, whereas in my first book I told you about what Jesus began to do and teach, so now in my second book, the book of Acts, I'm going to tell you what Jesus, the Savior, went on to do and teach. That tells us, oh yes, that alerts us to the fact that the events recorded in Acts chapter 2 must be read and understood in that light. In other words, this chapter means to tell us about the work and about the teaching of Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ of God. And that in turn tells us that it is Jesus who is the central figure of the Pentecost story. Well now, that is precisely the point Peter makes in his Pentecost Day sermon. But, but that is also the point that is time and again overlooked by many a Bible reader today. And because it is overlooked, Pentecost so easily becomes Pentecostalism. Did you ever take a good look at Peter's sermon? Aren't you a bit disappointed with his message? After all, this is Pentecost, and Peter stands up to preach. About all he appears to be doing is quote Bible passages, a number of texts all in a row. It just seems that Peter, wanting to, to prove some point or other, ah yes, it seems as though Peter engages in what Peter in what people like to call proof text theology. And so it is that people wonder what is there for a person's feelings here? Where's the spontaneity, the warmth, the unreasoned testimony, which is so often associated with Pentecost? 
Well, let's take a careful look at what Peter, in the name of the Lord, is saying here. You will remember that there had been some signs earlier that day. A sound like a mighty rushing wind was heard. But the trees never shook. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each of each one of them. But nobody got burned. And ah yes, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. See, that explains why the people were so overwhelmingly amazed and perplexed that day. Well, no, it was in that context, you see, that Peter stood up to give a special message for this special day. After all, those signs needed, they called for the word. Signs always do. Those signs said, pay attention, everyone. Something great has happened here. Listen carefully now and you will be told what it is those signs are saying to you. That's why Peter got up, you understand. After those amazing signs had been seen and heard. That's when he spoke the word. Think of it. Peter then preached the word wherein and whereby he explained those signs. Well, I think you will agree. His sermon introduction that morning was great. Peter told the mockers in no uncertain terms that they didn't know beans about what was really happening. These people are not drunk, as you suppose, said Peter. He then, as it were, threw the prophecy of Joel at them about prophesying and dreaming dreams and about blood and fire and vapors of smoke, all things that would happen at the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and before the great and magnificent, the great and terrible day of the Lord comes. Such, you see, was Peter's introduction. And it was good. Well done. Then Peter comes to the body of his message. That's clear from the fact that in verse 22, he begins with a new word of address. Men of Israel, he says. Men of Israel, hear these words. But, about that's the part of Peter's sermon that bothers many a Bible reader. That's the part of Peter's sermon, of his message, that disappoints them. It just doesn't grab us, they say. We feel let down, they say. 
Peter, you see, went on and talked to his audience about Jesus, the well-known man of Nazareth. Only a, a couple of months before this, he had still been walking the streets of Jerusalem. Well, now, this Jesus, says Peter, oh yes, he had been delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. That was, it is the truth, not to be denied. But the fact is also, says Peter, the fact is, you Jews, you crucified and killed him by the hands of lawless men, right? But let me assure you, that's not all, says Peter. That's not the only truth to be recognized and confessed here today. For the fact is, says Peter, I ask the fact is, Jesus arose also. God raised him up. Jesus is alive today, says Peter. He lives today. For he ascended triumphantly to heaven. And think of it. And all of that happened in fulfillment of the Old Testament scripture. Your Bible, says Peter, I ask, your Bible foretold all of this. You hear it. All Peter really does in this sermon is tell what had happened at Easter and at Ascension. Many a reader of the Bible, however, wants to say at this point, yes, all of that is true to be sure, but with that Peter hasn't told us anything yet about what is new on this day. What was the new event announced by the mighty rushing wind and by those dividing tongues as a fire? What was all of that about? What was the new message? What was so special about that Pentecost Day event? After all, Already 50 days had passed since Easter Sunday. In other words, it was 50 days before this Pentecost Pentecost day that Jesus had arisen from the dead. And already 10 days had passed since he ascended to heaven. The Lord of glory, to be sure, who will rule over all from the Father's right hand. So people say we get that we believe that but but we want to hear about what we want to hear about is what really happened that Pentecost Sunday morning what was was that about the Holy Spirit or was that also about Jesus Were the people who had gathered in a temple in Jerusalem on that day, were they confronted by the Holy Spirit 
or by Jesus the Christ then? That, you see, that is the question asked by many a Bible reader still today. Well, now, that is precisely the question Peter answers. Oh, no, he does not belabor the point. So it is easy just to read over it. And if you do read over it, you will miss the heart of Peter's message. But when you notice it, then suddenly the whole thing opens up for you. Think of it. When Peter comes to the end of his message, he says that Jesus, who had been crucified and killed, was raised up by God. And that, it was, that he was exalted at his right hand. And then, says Peter, then this resurrected and ascended Jesus received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit. Did you hear? See, the Father, says Peter, the Father gave to Jesus the Holy Spirit as he had promised to do. And Jesus, now exalted in glory and crowned with power and authority, Jesus has poured out all what you people are now seeing and hearing in the temple. That, you see, I ask, that was the heart and core of Peter's sermon on that Pentecost Sunday. Oh yes, Jesus had done, he had accomplished everything the Father had asked of him as he dwelt on this earth. Then, that is, thereafter, then the Father not only exalted Jesus to the highest glory, but then he also placed the Holy Spirit at Jesus' command. In other words, the Holy Spirit was then incorporated into the work of Jesus, into that work of Jesus, you understand, that still remained and still remains today to be done after he, the Christ, had been exalted to the Father's right hand. I could therefore also say, the Spirit is now incorporated into that one great work of the triune God, to which he had given himself from eternity. But about the Holy Spirit does not then push himself into the foreground. Surely not. Rather, the Holy Spirit directs the attention. That is, he, he focuses the faith. He concentrates the whole heart, the whole person of the believer on Jesus Christ, exalted in heaven. Oh, yes. Jesus had said it very clearly that the Spirit would not speak. 
his own words, his own message. Rather, said Jesus, whatever he hears, that he will speak. Yes, he will take what is mine and declare it to you, said Jesus. You can't miss it. The Holy Spirit will not glorify himself. And he will not talk about himself. Rather, he will take what belongs to Jesus and declare it to us. He declares it to the church. No, no. That tells us that it is Christ whom we meet and have fellowship with today through the Holy Spirit. It is through the Holy Spirit that He, the Christ, comes to us and speaks to us and communes with us. Through the Spirit, He works and battles and will surely be victorious. So you see, it was fully Jesus Christ who was busy in the temple on that Pentecost Sunday so long ago now. The signs were from him and all the words spoken by the disciples were about him. He is the one great worker of the Pentecost event. As you all know, when Jesus had finished his work on earth, he went back to heaven. The question is why? Oh no, he returned to heaven not to be done with this world then. Not to be free from his disciples then. Not to get some rest after having accomplished his work on earth then. Rather, Christ ascended to heaven because he would be able to work better and speak more powerfully and fight more fiercely here on this earth from there, from heaven. Remember, while he was on earth, Christ had laid the foundation of redemption. And we know how he had done that. He had suffered the torments of hell. He had brought restoration through his death and glorious resurrection. And so, so he had restored the claim, the right of the Father to his own. But, as any builder will tell you, a foundation Requires, that is, a foundation calls for a building. Well, now, that is exactly what Christ would do. He would build his church. Ah, yes, from heaven. He is now building the temple of the Lord. He is building that temple on the foundation which he himself had laid. Remember it well. Christ is now busy gathering his one holy Catholic or universal church. That royal priesthood 
through whom he causes his message to flow out to all the world. How about that isn't all? You see, on earth, by way of his perfect obedience and the sacrifice of his body, on earth he had earned also the right to rule the whole world. Well now, Christ now exercises that right, that rule, that dominion, that authority from heaven. I ask This very day, Christ exercises his royal might over all who by faith through grace are children of the kingdom of heaven, who are called to live every day in that kingdom as children of the king in glory. And remembered well, from heaven, He now rules also over all who are enemies of his royal power. Oh yes, from heaven he rules over the whole creation until it is ripe for the judgment of the end time. And so it is. Well now, that work which is really the second phase of Christ's work, that work began at Pentecost. He calls to and incorporates into the church those whom the Father has given to him. He himself builds that church on the foundation which he laid. And see, so it is that we today may hear the royal proclamation of him who from that day on has ruled the world in his thousand-year reign. And praise the Lord, he will so rule until he delivers the kingdom to God the Father, after having destroyed every rule and every authority and power. That is, until it is purified and sanctified as it shall forever be hereafter. So Pentecost is fully celebration of Jesus Christ, of his victory, of his supreme authority. On Pentecost, you see, Christ began the last phase of his one work of reconciliation. And we rejoice because it is the Holy Spirit who equips us for our task, our mission in and to the world today. You see, it is true. We as Church of Jesus Christ and we as individual, as individual members of the body of Christ, the Church, we have a great task. Remember, we confess that by the Holy Spirit we share in Christ's anointing. And that, as you well know, that means, among other things, that we are called to be prophets. The question is, 
Do we really know what that means? Think of the following. The story is told of a missionary who needed to find a good translation for the word prophet for the Gaboko people of Liberia. Words like soothsayer and diviner were obviously not to be chosen. The right word would have to convey the idea of a special representative proclaiming God's word to the people. One day, this missionary found the answer. You see, every morning and every evening, this missionary saw the official representative of the village chief going through the village, calling out the news, delivering the chief's orders, and announcing important events. But now, this person was called the town crier exactly the word that was needed for the word prophet. See, there our calling. We are anointed prophets, right? Well, now, that means that we are called to be God's town criers. That is, we are, to, are the heralds of his word. Oh, yes, we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. We, may, we need never be intimidated fulfilling that task. The Church of Jesus Christ, remember, will be built. Oh yes, the Church will be built by Jesus, the Lord's anointed. But... But Christ builds his church through people, through people who share his anointing, who believe his word, who proclaim it and live it by the power of the Holy Spirit, who are his town criers in the communities where they live. As we celebrate Pentecost today. So we celebrate also mission today. Our mission as God's redeemed people to a world crying out for deliverance from the enslaving powers of sin. We thank the Lord that we may participate in that work. And we pray for God's continued blessing on that work, our mission task in the world, even as we, the Lord's town criers, dedicate ourselves to faithfulness in pursuing that task every day by the power of the Holy Spirit. So we will celebrate Pentecost not only today, but every day to the praise and the glory of our triune God, to whom be glory now and forever. Praise the Lord. Amen.